0: Tennis fans, players, coaches, parents, welcome to the First Serves dedicated junior tennis podcast, The Junior Journey, with Betty Sikolowski and Michael Legazo. Hi, and welcome to The Junior Journey, the podcast where we dive into the world of junior tennis. From the triumphs, challenges, the pathways, the level and environment, we'll look to uncover the path to success, the Australian junior tennis landscape and what it takes to succeed in this highly competitive sport. I'm your host, Betty Sekulovsky, and I'm joined by co-host Michael Legazzo.
1: Hey, Betty, how are you? Awesome to be here with you, and I'm really, really looking forward to doing this podcast and uncovering all the things we can about junior tennis. I think there's so much information out there, so much misinformation as well, and a lot of questions are asked often about you know, what do I need to do to become a great player and what journey do I need to take? So, you know, I'm hoping we can together unpack a lot of these things and help everyone to, you know, go through this journey a lot more effectively. If I ask you a question, Betty, what is junior tennis?
0: Really big question, Michael, but I would go down the path of thinking that it's a developmental journey. It's a developmental journey for not only the athletes, kids, but also as a family. And I think it's a conversation in itself that probably needs a few more episodes, but uh, I do believe that it's there's so much to unpack when it comes to the foundations of a junior tennis player. What are your thoughts?
1: I absolutely agree. I, th- I think it's all about development. It's about the end goal and this being a platform to develop all the skills required for later on. So I think the long-term focus is crucial. A lot of these players, a lot of these kids want to be pros. What do I need to do now? to get to where I need to get to. So it's the future planning. It's a holistic development focus, um, not all tennis. So the physical, the mental is crucial, I think, preparing players for what's actually required later on. As you know, when you get to the higher levels and even when you start playing, say, ITF juniors and travel a lot more, there's the cultural differences, there's the travel differences and how we cope with that. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, it's absolutely about building foundations for future success. Most crucial part of the junior journey.
0: Well, I guess, yeah, you know, as coaches, we've probably had these conversations amongst, you know, other coaches and 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 parents and and kids. I think being in Australia, we're geographically challenged, as we all know, with gaining the competition that we we probably would like uh, to keep up with the rest of the world. Knowing the level, I mean, how do you how do you explain that to a parent, a coach that maybe hasn't been a part of that level before? You know, what I think some of the conversations I've had is obviously, I know Tennis Australia has tried to really support coaches in taking them overseas into academies and watching what, how some of the best coaches in the world do it. You know, what do you think, I guess, from your opinion and what do you think is really, really, really important when it comes to benchmarking from a from a global level?
1: Really good question. Uh, you only, You know what you know. So with our location being so far away from the rest of the world, we only know what's around us. Which is really difficult yeah. to as a coach, and I'm sure it's the same for you and a lot of other coaches out there who are who are listening. It's really difficult to get that message across regarding yes. the work ethic required, the level you know players need to be at at a certain age, or the training standards, um, competitive, you know, structure and what that looks like, because they only know what's around them, um, whereas as yeah. Probably with our experience, we've probably seen a lot of it, know a lot of it, but it's really difficult to get that message across when they haven't experienced it. And I think it's when you truly experience it that you find out a lot of these things. TA have done a great job, I think, in starting to send coaches over. So I was lucky enough to be on one of the trips last year. You were into the US and we went to different academies. And whilst I think from a coaching perspective, we have a lot of good coaches here um, we know what we're doing. We have the knowledge. But I think the environment and the thing that stuck out for me, particularly over there, for example, was the competitive environment, which I know you're in the US as we speak, yeah. and you're seeing a lot of that. And it's had you that, how do you bring that back to, to what we're doing?
0: I'll tell you what's been really in- interesting being over here is coaches allow kids to be whoever they want to be here in the US. I found it very interesting that their training environment is competitive in the way the kids' attitudes are portrayed on the court. So there's a lot of banter. There's a lot of, I wouldn't call it ego. I would call it a lot of self-belief the American way. And this coach is not pulling players up on that. They're, they're really allowing them to grow into their own selves and be their own person on the court. And what it brings to the environment is competitive attitudes. They want to beat each other in practice. And I think that for me, spending as much time as I have in Australia and, and coming back and forth a little bit um, at times is, what I see in Australia is the kids on court, there will be a couple that are quite competitive but the environment is not competitive maybe enough. And how do you bring that out in players without them looking like they're being nasty but yet you're trying to create this you know, this this level of competitive grit that they can use overseas when they go and compete because a lot of the time they get shocked over here or over in Europe, you know, kids are cheating, parents are hanging off the fence. There's a lot of this happening. And our kids are quite um, – we're, we're pretty humble, I think, as Australians. So it's just very interesting being over here and witnessing that and, and letting – and coaches just sitting back and allowing the players to be who they are. It's very different from the culture we're probably coming from a little bit.
1: Absolutely. And and culture does come into it. So if you go to Europe, I'm sure it be different. And South America, it be different. And it's it's taking the good, I think. So when we talk about knowing the level, it's not copying everything, but it's taking what are some of the good qualities that we can use and instill in our players, and and the competitive side of it, I think, and it's something I've learned as a coach over the years is crucial. And I, you can you can do a technical drill and make it competitive. And I think when you're yeah. trying to develop, you know, a competitive beast and and someone which is so crucial to be a, a really good player and what that entails. I think it's it goes back also to coaches. I think coaches need to yeah. know the level, need to do the research, especially if you want to work with uh, performance type players. It, it's up yeah. to us to actually create the environment and put everything in place for these kids to be able to become the players we want them to be. So, you know, knowing what the level is, is really important. So TA do a great job in sending teams over. And that's part of it is getting them over there, exposing them to something different, what it's like, um, experiencing it, the, the travel aspect, what do you have to encounter later on? You know, we probably find that a lot of our players when they get to 16, 17 are in for a culture shock when they start traveling you know, for five, six, seven weeks yeah. in a row. So I think that's a big part of it. And, and not everyone's, you know, able to get into those teams and be able to go to these tournaments. So if there's a possibility that they can get over and, and experience it, it's more about getting the experience, you know, I'm all for it, encourage it. And they usually come back with a different mindset, a different perspective. Um, and, and then along with that, yeah. there's the tracking and benchmarking, you know, rankings. UTR is, is great as a guide. I don't think it should be used as the be all and end all, which it is. And that's a whole other discussion. But in terms of tracking, benchmarking, where you're at compared to kids around the world, mm. I actually think that's Really important. But having said that, you're all on your own journey.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's an important one, which we'll keep touching on as we go along through this podcast, is reinforcing that it is your own journey, that there is no other authentic you than the authentic self. And I I think that's very, very important to get across to a lot of um, you know, kids, parents. It's it's quite hard as a junior growing up competing and you see one of your peers doing really well and you're in the same training environment and you can't seem to understand why you're not maybe progressing further or having the results, I think it's just really looking at yourself, at your training environment, understanding what it is that you need at that time of your developmental journey, um, and I think making sure that you're you're ticking off the things that you need to personally tick off to be the best version of yourself. And that's always a hard one, um, maybe challenging one to get across at times because results is everything um, to a lot of parents who are investing the money, as we know, it can get a little, little bit, uh, a bit of a grey area, but I guess Michael, what is, you know, we're looking at the landscape of tennis, in our, in our country, across the board, and I think post COVID, we've got a lot more tournaments happening, a lot more events across the country. Like we said, we're we're sending over a lot more teams at a younger age. You know, what are your thoughts? I guess as a coach, do you, you know, you, do you think it's spot on at the moment? Do you think we need to add a few more tournaments? What does, it, what does it look like for you? I mean, you have a lot of kids playing nationals, I know.
1: The competitive pathway and gaining that match experience is is mm-hmm. crucial. I yeah. at times think that a lot of our players here probably don't play enough matches. One thing I learned, for example, mm-hmm. you know, in the US, they're playing, you know, 80 to 120 matches a year. Um, a lot of these yeah. kids, a lot yeah, of these juniors. Are. And going back to here, are we playing enough matches? And then and the other side of it, are we playing enough really high-quality matches? Again, going back to yeah. the location and being so far away, I think we need our best kids playing each other more often. You know, not hiding from each other, yeah. and but actually we need to help each other. In this country, to get better, how do we
0: do that? That's the question.
1: Well, that's that's the million dollar question, right? And it's it's you want the best kids playing, you know, the nationals and not you know going playing elsewhere and stuff like that. And I get there will be international tournaments that are that are big and you and again going back to gaining that experience, but the more we help each other, I think the better. So from a from a competitive aspect and you know playing the right tournaments, I mean you'll see you'll see. um Kids and, and parents, you know, entries are closing and they're looking and analyzing who's playing what tournament and where should I play, yeah. this and that. When you know, it was a lot easier back in our day. And I and I hate sounding like yes. that old person who's you know talking about the <laughs> old days, but you know, there back was one the era. There, there was one tournament, and there was one tournament Monday yeah. to Friday, and everyone played That's it. Right. So everyone played the same tournaments. Yeah. You knew what tournament was there. It's almost like there's too many tournaments now. So whether that's a good thing, I mean, it's more competitive opportunities, more people get to play, but is it actually more beneficial for developing a certain level? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but that's you know, a question to ask. But yeah. I, I think it's crucial. Like I think we, the kids need to be playing and they need to look at it as an investment in their competitive makeup. So each match that they play, yeah. they are learning how to be players, how to compete, how to yeah you know, sometimes play ugly if you need to, how to develop that um resilience, how to, you know, encounter difficult situations in a match. It's an investment in your um competitive makeup. And I think yeah, by not playing and, like, one thing that annoys the hell out of me is pulling out of tournaments or, and particularly pulling out of, say, console or match play. It's another opportunity to get better. And, yeah. and I don't think we see it as that. Exactly. I Exactly. Well, There's nothing to gain. There's no points. There's no nothing. Let's not play it. So I think that's something, and that's a mindset thing. And we go back to, you know, what you said about being over there and your learnings and my learnings being in the US as well last year. Is it's all about the competitive side. They are competitive beasts. That's what they're developing. The mindset, and and I don't think we probably do that as well as what we could here. And that's an area we can definitely easily focus on. And I think it's up to us also as coaches.
0: I think touching back on that, the competitive element, I know obviously we, you know, as a country have gone into categorising our tournaments as, you know, 125s, 250s, you know, the thousands, signature event, nationals. So we've got a range of events there and and I think parents have finally caught on to a little bit of that, which makes it, it provides a lot more opportunities to play, but like we've said, the, the tournaments are so far scattered from one end of Melbourne to another, And, again, the quality of of players, it it just disperses. So I think what happens is it it dilutes the draws and becomes where one tournament gets maybe, you know, 10 players playing, the other one gets about 20, whatever it is. It just lowers the amount of entries where you could be providing more competitive opportunities. And I think it's important for, you know, a lower-level player to also see what a good-level player is doing. So if you're around that, just like we were probably growing up, I think you're always around, you know, players that were above you. It was great to see what they were doing. You So again, knowing the level, you're at least knowing the level what's around within your, your own environment um, to start off with. And I think that part's very important. Um, have you found it quite successful for your players, I guess, uh, speaking to other coaches, having those different categories events this year, and obviously we're moving more into a points system?
1: I think it's a lot better. Like I you know, applaud them making the change, TA making the change with that, because I think it's a it's a really, really good thing. And I understand the difficulty on, I don't think it doesn't matter what you do. I think it's, there's always going to be pros and cons to it. Yep. And I, I think, I probably don't think the players have yet come around to it because they've been used to using the UTR. But I think having that incentive to qualify for a national event at the end of the year and how that works, and, and there'll be some you know things that'll be tweaked as you go along, but I think it's, It's good because for me, I'm always a believer that the more we can replicate what happens at the higher level in terms of structure, the easier it is to adjust as you go forward. So they're used to this system. And and you probably find it a lot with players who then move into ITF juniors where they start to understand that actually what I'm actually doing in the JTs doesn't really matter yeah, you know, to get a ranking and to get into tournaments, and they start to think a little differently. Yeah, um, but I, 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 I think we ha- like there's a there's a good structure. There's enough tournaments out there. There's enough competitive opportunities. I just think people need to just compete against each other a lot more and and thrive on that. And and that includes practice as well. Going back and and making everything competitive from from a tournament perspective, I think it's great. We've got the JTs. Uh, the 125s, 250s, 500, the, you know, the thousands of the national events. We've had the grass court nationals, play court nationals, teams event just has been held now, We've got hard court nationals. So there's a lot of opportunities. And then on top of that, um, there's a junior tours that are going over. So there are teams over in Europe at the moment. You've got the world mm-hmm. junior teams, the 14s, the junior Davis Cup, junior up. There's so many opportunities. and
0: So many opportunities for these players.
1: So many, like there's, there's so many and you want them to embrace it and understand that the more they're doing it, the better it's going to be for them. The the more experience, the better mm-hmm. competitors I think will create. And it's no secret, the more matches you play, the better you get. So just keep playing those matches, um, you know, and you find like at that 14- probably up to 14, you play more of the, the Nationals, the JTs, and then from mm-hmm. 14 to 16, you start to veer into the ITFs, which uh, yep. we, there's so many ITF tournaments now in Australia. Um, yeah, no,
0: they've really done a great job of, of putting them on for our players and, and making sure they're, they're creating opportunities for them to not only improve as players, but also improve their rankings, allow them to travel, which we know is extremely important for just their overall development. Um, you know, I think this is something that we will we'll progress and to keep talking about, Mike, is just the – the overall pathways and, and really digging deeper into them because I think there's a lot of questions from parents out there that, you know, how do I get my how do I get my, you know, kid into a nationals? What is an ITF? You know, a lot of them don't even understand at the moment what that is. Um and overall I think really explaining how that whole pathway works and how it links in. And I think we can dig deeper into that as we go along.
1: Yeah, agree. A uh, question for you, Betty. The importance of the the tournaments and the competitive pathway for players, how do you find the balance with, you know, players and parents you have these discussions with between the importance of the tournaments, but at mm. the same time making sure that it's all about developing for the end goal, which for most of them is to be a pro. Yeah,
0: I think I think it really depends on the age of the player uh, and their goals, to be honest with you. I think, you know, younger, younger kids, you'd really want to spend that that block, that, that 10 between 10 and 12 is, you know, really, really important age to make sure your fundamentals are in place. Volume can always increase once they're physically stronger and they're more coordinated. And as we know, the physical aspect needs to be in place from a much younger age. I think we're even talking at eight years of age through to 12, like that is a that is a systematic way of training. And I think one thing that we're probably missing in Australia in some respects to Europe is we don't get on to that early enough over here. I think there's a lot of tennis balls and focus on uh, hand skills and racket skills and all those sorts of things but and technique, but we're not actually developing, I think, generally, I don't think we're developing the athlete early enough. And this for me um, is just spending time in Europe but you see this a lot where that percentage of devel- physical development versus tennis is almost 50 percent 50 50 and so I think once you get past the age of 12 as we've spoken about is that, you know you start to want to make sure that they solidify their their foundations that they're pretty um, robust and you know allows them to develop a game style that hopefully in the future will provide them with weapons or a, a clearer identity of who they need to be I think partly what I've experienced is, you know, we're getting sort of players at that 14, 15 age group where they still haven't fully grown into their bodies. They are not very clear on how they need to play. I, I think some of our cultural coaching across the country might be a little bit too technical. Sometimes I think we could be a little bit more tactical based. Again, you know, how can you implement this in your own training environments to ensure that the players are very clear on what their game's about? So, I think as you get older, you know, it becomes a, you know, as you get older, you want more competitive. You're going to have your training blocks. You might have them a couple times a year or two or three times, depending on where your development journey is throughout that period. Um, but I think as a younger, as a, as a younger kid between the ages of ten and twelve, I think you need to make sure that you're prioritizing development and providing competitive uh, opportunities throughout that that year or they're a training block and making sure they're still working on that because that is the true essence of a tennis player. But I I do think for me, it's super important we're developing good athletes from a younger age.
1: 100% agree with that. I think the athlete is crucial. I always go back to you. you can't play if you can't move. You've got to be able to also, as you move along the pathway, to be able to withstand the the extra loads the extra volume the extra pressure what you probably don't want and probably happens too often is you get to that 13 14 15 and players are breaking down not able to cope with you know they're going through different developmental stages um hmm. growth spurts all that kind of stuff and they can't cope with the loads and then they're out yeah. for long periods and it's being able to get Definitely. them through that period which is crucial and then you know, when they're 16, 17, that they're, they're better developed to be able to compete at a higher level um, a little mm-hmm. bit sooner. We tend to be late developers, as they say, but I always ask the question, does that need to be the case? And I think what's happening, you know, in the pathway from, say, that 8 to 12 and how we develop them um, yep. is crucial. And not from a tennis perspective, but more from the physical and the competitive focus that we're that we're trying to get out of them, so I think that's crucial. Um, would you say so? If we were to break down juniors and junior development, that you could sort of break it out in into a couple of areas. I don't mm. know if you agree with this or not, but I look at the training is one area that we that needs to be a, a really good focus, making sure that it's you know holistic development focus, um, the volume that you are doing, making sure again that you are playing enough, but also understanding the importance of recovery. I don't think that's actually no point, understood yeah. well enough is that we we think more is better when it actually necessarily isn't. Um, the quality of it, so I think the quality is crucial. You know, we, we hear yeah. a lot of players, well, I've got to do my 12, I've got to do my 15 hours, 20 hours, but how much of it is really quality? Quality and yeah. the And how specific is it? You know, you go back to what you said before about your game style and being clear with what you're doing. Is what you're doing in your training really specific enough to you, or is it just some generic thing that you're doing and you're just hitting balls? Um, Are you working on your game or are you just hitting balls? And then probably another area is the pathway, the tournaments, um, how that works, going into, you know, TA programs, your individual programs, um, moving towards, you know, do I go to the pro tour? Do I go to US college? Understanding that and how that fits in and how that works for you, not for someone else. The support system you have around you. So that's your coaches, your parents. Absolutely,
0: managers, critical, trainers. isn't
1: it? Absolutely. Like you need to make sure that you have the right environment. We, we, I find we junior tennis, and this would be everywhere in the world. I don't think it's isolated to Australia or anything, is mm-hmm. we tend to be sheep a little bit and we just follow. We're looking for a silver yeah. bullet and we just go, well, you know, they're doing this. They must be doing something good. We'll go over there without really doing the research. So make sure it's the right coach right fitness trainer you know dietitian whatever you need make sure it's the right person for you and not doing it because someone else is doing it or playing the same tournaments as someone else because they're at a certain ranking and we think we need to do that No, it needs to be actually specific to you and where you need to head and then probably most importantly and it and it's probably leads on from the support system is the environment you're in how important that is is it yeah. an environment that's allowing to you to grow and to thrive, or is it an environment that's actually holding you back? And I think that's really, really crucial—is making sure that that's important. What, what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: No, look, I totally agree with you. I, I think you know, environment—whether you're you're a tennis player, whether you're a student at school—I think your environment makes you makes you grow, makes you uh, you know either feel like you want to keep you know an open mind growing to developing to improving and I, and I think it, it's the people you surround yourself with is absolutely critical so I think one thing for, for parents and I bring this back to the parents is they need to understand how to ask the right questions I think a lot of the parents sometimes that are, are not involved in tennis which is obviously the majority are not aware of you know what questions do I ask what do I know what a good environment looks like you know I think we can really touch on that because you know what does it what does a quality environment look like to a parent? you know, is, is you know, hitting a few balls in and out, you know, a good thing. Like it's, you know, being again in the States where you can see an average UTR, and I use the UTR, UTR a little bit here, is that you can see an average UTR. But one thing I've noticed is an average, very average low UTR level here hits a lot of balls in the court. And I think that comes down to, again, yes, maybe volume, but it's also the environment. If, you know, you're surrounded by 23 kids across several, several courts and you've got, Uh, other kids doing exactly, you know, working hard right next door to you are really pushing, are competitive, are turning up. You you don't want to be the one that stands out as not working hard. And I think that, again, comes down to the right environment, especially younger kids having that peer support around them.
1: That's a really good point you make. The collective is what will get you better. It's people working together. In actual fact, as a coach, I know for me, the best sessions I've had in a group situation have been when I do very little. It's actually yeah. the players pushing themselves. It's that competitiveness. It's wanting to be better. And you just sit back and you just watch it. They are, probably as a coach, where you get most excited because you it's Absolutely. coming from within. If 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 your coach, and this is a message to all the, the kids out there or parents listening, if, if the coach is having to push your player for effort, mm. then does that kid really want it you know do they yeah. really want to be the player they want to be you know and then and then you could it's say like, it goes back to that accountability and yeah coaches yes need to be accountable but so do players and i think everyone in the whole support system yeah. needs to be accountable and are we bringing our best and and not making excuses like if you're making excuses about this that and whatever coach tournament this and that blaming whatever then I don't think you're going to get very far. I think you're just going to fall by the wayside eventually. You might have the results now, but eventually. And I think that accountability, and it's what all the top players have, is they are accountable to themselves and they make sure they um, own everything that they do. And I think also to that point is, you know, having parents ask all these questions, what do I do? You know, is this the right thing? You get that all the time. Am I doing the right thing?
0: And I always go,
1: well, go to google type in what's my training what's my pathway to becoming a pro and let me know what what you find and they can't find anything because it depends on the individual it's all different there's not one size fits all it's not cookie cutter um, when you have that yeah you'll get some players that come out but you'll churn out a whole heap of players who don't make it so yeah. i think that's crucial i think it's actually a coach's role to educate like we are coaching the players, but we are also coaching parents and everyone else and making sure that we're all on the same page. Question for you, Betty, again, is how do you feel the parents' role and how involved do you have the parents in the journey of what you're mm. trying to do? It's
0: a, real, uh, it's a really big question and, I, you know, we hear this question a lot and I think, look, parents are an instrumental benefit to the kids development obviously you know they're the provider they're the biggest supporters they're sacrificing a lot of their family time to be traveling around the country if not the world with their kids so we can understand you know the level of input and i guess desire and passion that they do show and some parents tend to take it a little too far i think they can overstep their their role in that place but i i I think Look, I've had to have difficult conversations as a coach, as I'm sure a lot of coaches probably listening would, would say, yes, I've had to have some difficult conversations and ones that sometimes have kept me up at night, to be honest with you. Um, but that's part of our role as coaches is to deliver honesty without being uh, hurtful, I think, in ways that we want to be honest, we want to be realistic, and I think parents appreciate that. And it's in the delivery that that's, you know, how it's received well is in within the delivery, and I think, when you're talking to kids, I think it comes down to their goals. You know, we have a lot of kids that say, oh, I want to be number one in the world. Or I want to win a Grand Slam. Obviously, they don't really understand what that means. None of us really understand what that means. We've never won a Grand Slam. But I can tell you that it takes a lot of hard work, as we know. Um, you know, you know, we know how hard it is just to be able to make it on the tour, let alone being number one in the world and winning a Grand Slam. Uh, I think it's just making sure that they stay true to their goals, how, how they're willing to work. I think if a parent understands their child's goals and desires, um, keeping them accountable as a family. But my way of dealing with that is sitting a parent down, getting them to be very clear on their role within this team and asking them do they agree with that. And I think walking out of a meeting with a parent and making sure everyone's on the same page before that meeting ends is absolutely crucial. You know, I think one thing I learned from the storm in my time at Tennis Australia, we they ran a, a seminar with um Melbourne Storm, and one of the things they said is within their coaching group they would discuss coaches would have different opinions but at the end of the day when it all wrapped up they basically all decided to agree on one thing and i think that's really important when we're dealing with different stakeholders in a group and the parent is a critical part of that child's development and as we know kids always want to impress their parents don't they i mean no matter who you are, I know as a, as a child, I, I wanted to impress my dad, you know, my mum and dad. We, we'd be silly to think that kids don't, you know, and I, it's it's the truth. And I think we just need to be very clear with parents, understand their role because, you know, we wouldn't go into a parent's, um, you know, workspace, workplace and say, look, I'll do your job for you. It just wouldn't happen. So I think it's them understanding their role, their expertise in this and understanding our expertise in this and how we can help, how we can't help, not not overpromising and under delivering, I think is is key as well. You know, it's uh where you lose the trust of families. And I think that's very, very important. So that's just been a little bit of my insight with parents, is just being be, be real. I think being real is absolutely crucial.
1: Yeah, parents are, are crucial. They they are they they probably sacrifice more than anyone, to be honest. You mm-hmm. know, driving plays around the financial. Um, being there at every match, they are there 24-7. So as a coach, for me, they are absolutely critical to making sure that the environment I'm trying to create is also created outside of exactly. um, my, the time I spend with them. So I spend or try to spend a lot of time educating and it's really hard when they're starting their tennis journey and their tournaments and things aren't working out the way they want, and they're not mm-hmm. sure what direction they're heading in. To give them that 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 assurance that you know, this is a journey, this is part of it, this is the learning, is 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 really really important, I think, because yeah. that's when you start to second guess. Mm-hmm. you know, make decisions that are based solely on emotion or what's happening there and then and not looking at the bigger picture. And I think that's, as coaches, we see that, but when you're in it day in, day out, it's very difficult. So I think I like to keep them involved. I like to let them know exactly what I'm working on, what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully they feel comfortable enough to be able to ask me different things and and text me and and whatever they need to do. I think it's it's really critical. But as you, you made a really good point, understanding what everyone's role is and making sure everyone's on the same page. As soon as someone's say outside the circle and thinking differently or doing different things, then it will never work out. You know, that's when the relationship yeah. is broken. So it's making sure that everyone is on the on the same page and basically ignoring the white noise outside and the quick fixes and stuff and just making sure you stick to your path that's that's right for you
0: yeah no and i, and I think you know it's, it is hard because your know, parents are paying the dollars and i think when you pay the dollars it's like when you go to a shop and you pay for something that's quite expensive it's tangible you get to take that thing home and you know you get to wear a new item of clothing or a new gadget or whatever with tennis there's no guarantees you're spending your money and it's a sacrifice, we call it a sacrifice for a reason because there is zero guarantees that, you know, that your child will become a professional tennis player. Maybe their pathway might be college tennis. Maybe their pathway might be coaching. Maybe their pathway is completely nothing to do with tennis at all. But I think that as a family is a family decision that they parents need to understand when they go into this. It's not a guarantee. And really checking in with your kids and making sure also the athlete and the child is actually held accountable for, like we spoke about before, is what do they bring to every session? What are they willing to sacrifice? What are they willing to do to deliver on some of their goals? And as coaches, it's our role to make sure that we turn up with the best intentions and making sure that we're putting our best foot forward to help them. What are your thoughts?
1: Absolutely. I always ask parents this question pretty early on. Or when they, they, they when their child starts to play a bit more competitively and starts to have some results and stuff like that, I said, are you prepared for your child to come to you at 15, 16 and say they don't want to play tennis anymore?
0: Mm, good and point. you see
1: the see the look on their face, and then you start to figure out, okay, is it your journey or their journey? Right? Yeah. But the reality is that could happen. So
0: it, could, it happens quite
1: often. It's about creating the right environment. And sometimes And this is where education I think is important and and coaches included. So I know I've grown over the years and I've changed different things and I've done some self-development where I've changed my approach on how I um, try to allow the players to grow over a period of time. And I think educating the parents and making sure that they understand their role and how important it is, is, is critical to that. But that's a question I ask and it's it's probably a question they've never asked themselves because they probably think, no, that's not possible. Every kid I think, me included, I don't know about you, but I know I did when I was a junior and I've had a lot of players even who, you know, played a high level have gone through this is they will get to a certain age and they'll go, so I'm going to put all this work in and I might not make Mm. it. Do I want to do this? And that's the reality of it. And you can put your head in the sand and not think, but there's a lot of questions asked. And the other one I say to them, are you prepared also for your child to at some point basically not want to listen to you when it comes to tennis? Because it will happen. All right. And and that's and- a hard
0: one for a lot of parents. You know, I've um I've ca- I coach a lot of girls. And one of the things is, is, you know. Fathers are very close to their daughters and that is a real hard one for a lot of dads to take is when the daughter no longer, I'm sure it happens with boys as well, is no longer wants to take your advice, no longer sees you as their hero, you know, or your, their role model. Um, they want to kind of spread their wings and be their own self and, and I think it's t- that's, a, that's a great sign. And I think for any parent out there, they they should be seeing that as a great sign of independence. They're going to make mistakes but, you know, they need that independence. They need to learn from them mistakes to develop further this needs to happen um and you know one thing and I again we'll, we'll go into this a little bit more but as a 17 year old girl, especially I think most 17 year old girls start to hit that crossroads in their career where they're not probably getting the results they want so they're kind of tampering with the idea of going to college or maybe going as a pro and it's a hard time and you know then you've got year 12 on top of that so it's a bit of a pressure cooker a little bit there for a lot of girls at that age. And I'm sure with boys, it's the exact same thing. They go through the same sorts of things. And it's just a time for a parent to sit down and just take the pressure off, you know, any their child a little bit and have those discussions because things do change and their priorities do change like everyone else's. So I think that's an important one. But, Mike, I want to sort of just well, – we're going to wrap this up. I, I kind of wanted to touch on some of the great results we're having, obviously, across the country um, with some of our, you know, top juniors, you want to touch a little, touch on a little bit of you know how the how the juniors are going at the moment.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on. The twelves, thirteens, fourteens. I think they're they're overseas. Yeah, and one of my players is overseas in a twelves team, so they're gaining that experience fantastic. overseas, which is fantastic. And you know, I'm all for that. Um, we've had you know basically from the start of the year, we've had the grass court nationals in January, the clay courts in April, which I was lucky enough to go to and see a lot of the the talent coming through and. And the competition that was was ahead. Oh, yeah. We had the Teams event last week. So these are great opportunities for the best players to get together. And then at the moment, and then we've got some ITF tournaments going on. So there's some yep. J60s in the Gold Coast, which are going on as we yep. speak. And I think that's a great thing to get more of our players exposed to that international level and then move on to um, the Pro Tour, hopefully. So you know, we've got our number one girl in the mm. ITF juniors, Emerson Jones, who's fifteen. She's been really impressive
0: this year, hasn't she?
1: Really impressive for someone that impressive. age. She's ranked nineteen in the world. And she lost in the round of sixteen at the French juniors to the eventual winner, which I think is a great effort. Really big ground in the last 12 months and improved a lot. Mm. And you know, I've got the Wimbledon juniors, got two boys in the main draw. Hayden Jones and Charlie Camus, and then in the girls, we've got two in the main draw, Emerson Jones Mm -hmm. and Lily Taylor. So it will be good to see how they go and how they're testing themselves against the best kids in the world. And I I purely think it's exposure. They just need more and more matches um, against these kids. So it's great to see that happening. And we've also got, at the moment, we've got five girls in the top 100 of the juniors and Mm -hmm. three boys in the top 100. Which is
0: fantastic,
1: not a bad effort. So if we can get more of these younger players around the 14, 15, 16, you know, with the ITF circuit that we've got in Australia playing a lot of these events and then hopefully then moving on to you know, the Grand Slams and these bigger international tournaments and wow. and then get the exposure that the Europeans have had probably since they were 12, 13 where they're playing each other constantly and exactly you know, having those tough matches, which that's what we want. We want our, our kids competing against the best in the world as often as possible and where possible. So there's a lot going on. Um, there'll be more that we'll uncover as we go along from a tournament perspective and some of the players and who we should look out for and maybe hopefully get some of them on. But yeah, there's a lot going on at the moment. Yeah, it'd be good to see and exciting to see what's going to happen in the next you know six to 12 months.
0: Yeah, well, I've been really excited chatting this through with you. I know junior tennis doesn't always get um, enough exposure. I know the guys at the first serve do a great job of making sure that there's enough exposure going on in all levels of and categories of tennis. This is really, really exciting. I'm looking forward to bringing on some guests in the future and, and getting their insights on how the you know, landscape of tennis is, is heading in Australia and, and really breaking down some other areas of the game that we don't speak about enough. So it's been fun, Mike.
1: It's been fantastic. I'm really looking forward to unpacking a whole heap of stuff. There's there's so much to, to go through. There's so much knowledge and information and misinformation, as I said, and I'm really looking forward to unpacking it with you and seeing yeah, where we go with this. It's going to be a lot of fun. And also, anyone out there, please don't hesitate to to tell us any topics you want us to cover in the future just give us a shout out, you know, get in touch with us, drop us a line on on our socials, Facebook or Instagram, and and we'd love to, you know, go over it and hopefully give you the the knowledge that you're all looking for. On that note, Betty, thanks a lot for today. I'm looking forward to the next episode.
0: It's been a pleasure, Mike. Can't wait.
1: The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.